Okay. okay. All right. I'm Everett. I'm Stan. This is Six Fifths. Ep- episode two. So today we're going to talk about why I stayed up until 4 a.m. last night. And why I didn't get anything but 30 out. I did not sleep for 36 hours in the last three days. No, we're not talking about stupidity. We're talking about sleep <laughs> at MIT. <laughs> Actually, correction, I stayed up until 4 a.m. two nights ago because I was baking. I go out to sleep at a normal time yesterday. But I should probably do better. <laughs> I should probably do better at getting actual, you know, real person Especially sleep. Especially because you're... You graduated. What are you doing? <laughs> it's a habit, and that's like act. That's actually really terrible. We'll talk about why this is terrible. How I feel like people should not follow my example. That I self-profess to be in a state of chronic sleep deprivation. Now that's an exaggeration, considering I normally do get more than six hours of sleep. Uh, but I'm I frequently will stay up until like two and wake up at eight. That's where my six hours comes, not from like twelve to six, where I think most normal people get their sleep in if they got six hours yeah i don't know uh i ping pong so i'll have like a week or two of normal sleep and then it will slide very quickly into completely unreasonable hours and i'll miss a whole bunch of class and it will be normal for another two weeks or so yeah so either way um unhealthy this is like so i'm pretty extreme as far as people with like not very good sleeping habits go but this isn't something I haven't seen before. Oh, yeah. And, like, in general, most of the people that I see have really bad sleeping habits. But before we get to that, we should talk about, like, general facts about sleep. Like, why do you care about sleeping? And, you know, you if you're listening to this, you're probably, you know, a university student. And maybe you get, like, six, seven hours a night. And you're like, man, I feel fine. So, you know, fucking eight or nine, that's for pussies. Like, why do I need more sleep than that? So we did. We dragged up a few like facts, if you will, yeah, from a bunch of things, and they're kind of depressing, honestly. Yeah, they are. And there's been a ton of research done by multiple universities around the world. There's statistics from the NIH and a lot of other governments, like health institutions, that will tell you that sleep is indeed important. You need it. You cannot avoid getting it, or else bad things will happen to you if you don't get it. Um, there are several well-documented long-term effects of s- chronic sleep deprivation, including high blood pressure, obesity, general lack of attentiveness. All the bad stuff that could possibly happen to you, basically, is basically. made worse by not getting more sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually it's 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 actually pretty bad. In short term, short term, I mean, obviously, people that don't get sleep for a day will feel tired. They won't feel as alert. And this is particularly bad if you were driving. Um, I was told this horror story when I was getting my driver's license um, at driving school, if people still do that now. Um, Sometimes that, for yeah. insurance. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. It uh, sucked really bad, but I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Saved money. Yeah, yeah, it was the thing. So, so uh, I got told the statistic, and we found multiple versions of this, um, that if you get less than five hours of sleep or you stay up for more than 18 hours in a row, 18, 24 hours, that that's the equivalent of driving drunk. And what the scary thing is that people will routinely do this because they, you know, they stayed up late and they have to go back to wherever they were. And there are a lot of stories of... People fall asleep at a wheel. I, I just saw when I was looking this up. This guy fell asleep at a wheel and he ran into a parked semi and killed his family. So that is 
obviously not a place you want to be. And the National Traffic and Safety Administration says that there's over 100,000 car crashes a year um, because of drowsy driving. And among those, about 1,500 of them um, suffered some fatalities. I'm surprised there aren't more commercials about this. This is your brain on drowsiness or something like that. Because yeah. it actually is a real problem. Right. That's a lot of... <laughs> yeah, this actually, this does get emphasized a lot uh, if you go through any program that is like a pre-licensed thing. Really? Um, yeah. At least, it wa- at least it was when I was, do- when I was doing it. Um, but yeah, no, there aren't a lot of PSAs about this. Most of the PSAs are about distracted driving, like text, like texting or like, you know, not wearing your seatbelt, stuff like that. Yeah, and one of the better, one of the great things is that if you don't get a lot of sleep, you're also going to be more easily distracted. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like a double whammy there. Not only are you just tired, right, but you're also more likely to be distracted. And actually, this actually um, remains true even if you don't feel tired. So even if you get say five hours of sleep one night, you feel kind of tired, and you take maybe a power nap or something, and you feel better. You're not actually going to perform better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's. There's, there's a, I'm not, I don't think there's really any published literature on this. I probably, there is, I, I should there look is. this up. I, uh, what I'm actually thinking of is the, um, is people who do like the Uberman Everyman schedule. Oh, that, like that oh, kind of stuff. Yeah, the thing where you sleep yeah. like three hours and you stay up for a while and then you sleep like an hour or thirty minutes and it's like very rigidly structured. Yeah. And if you miss like a twenty minute nap, then you feel like shit for yeah. about. A whole day. <laughs> yeah, the, the the whole paradigm of polyphasic sleep schedules, where it tra- it essentially tries to force you into a REM rebound um, when you're when you're sleeping, so that because their their thing is that the only important important in quotes because you can't see me wave my fingers um important part of sleep is REM sleep rapid eye movement sleep um, because they think that's where a lot of your brain activity gets recovered and. You know, I don't know. I don't actually know if there's a lot of studies that have seen a ton of people who do this only because I don't think there's actually a ton of people who actually do this because a lot of forums that I've seen that have people who are trying to get on it say it's really, really hard to get on it. And once you do, if you fall off of it, like everyone said, it's yeah. terrible. It's a it's a very steep cliff. It's generally not worth it. Um, also, the, th- the whole thing about REM sleep being the only important sleep because uh, the idea is that your body sort of repairs itself and goes nuts during that period of time while you're laying there. And this is true, but there's other negative things that happen when you're up all day. Even if you only get even if you get the same amount of REM sleep you would have gotten, mm-hmm. there's a wear and tear on your body that wouldn't happen if you were lying in bed asleep. Oh, yeah. Um and all the REM sleep in the world can't really overcome that. Oh, yeah. So there's definitely benefits to being in bed eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so speaking of that, the a lot most government institutions um, have come up with the idea that yes, you should sleep between seven and nine hours a day, and that if you're below um, below college age, you should actually be sleeping closer to ten hours. And we then, all know how often that happens. How often did you? How much did you sleep in high school? Uh, like none, because I had to get up at five thirty to catch the bus to go to school at 8 because yeah. I, I lived I actually didn't live that far away from school but I lived just outside of the area where they will take you directly to school so instead I had to wait for two hours because stupid yeah but bitterness aside <laughs> um, yeah bitterness I, aside the reason we bring this up is so there was an in-house study um, by the MIT newspaper the tech um, we can sort of discuss that study 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, t- we'll in, talk in about that. In more detail later, there's, it's got quite a few shortcomings um, that actually end up making all these estimates quite high rather than low, which is a little depressing. But the average amount of sleep that people get at MIT is around six hours of sleep per mm-hmm. week night. Um, and that doesn't sound right. Like, that doesn't sound too bad, right? That's like pretty close. But again, remember that the sleep def- deficits are cumulative. Um, so you end up either sleeping a lot during the weekend or just feeling like crap after a few weeks. Right. Yeah, it's pretty common to see people do the I'm to sleep for five to six hours of sleep during the week. And then these are the same people who get up at like 2 p.m. every day on a weekend. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to do this. It's terrible. It just takes a huge bite out of what you can do with a day. Like, I feel so much better when I actually get up on a Saturday morning and do something with myself. Also, it easily transitions into waking up at 2 p.m. on a weekday. And that is completely suboptimal. It's not very fun. Mm. Um, I do know some people who have been able to ration their sleep out very exacting, who wake up to alarms. They just, alarm goes off and they just get up. And I cannot do this. Mm-hmm. Unless I've gotten like regular amounts of sleep and I don't understand it. But even if you can do this, this doesn't actually mean that like it's it doesn't affect you. Oh, no, because no, it no. still does. No, it, it doesn't. And uh, speaking of s- lack of sleep and why you would not be getting as much sleep, uh, we did find this paper that was published last year um, called Nocturnal Sleep Problems Among University Students from 26 Countries. And it had a bunch of statistics in it, but one of the, the thing that's most relevant here is that they estimated from a bunch of sources that between 10 and 60% of college students not in the really US, even an estimate that's like an exact report yeah, of that, the this, range yeah without the, any analysis yeah the range was between 10 and 60% of college students in the US report to have some sort of sleeping difficulty um so when we say that we this is like anything from like actual sleeping disorders so things like uh you know delayed or advanced phase sleep disorder where you fall where your circadian rhythm is just a number of hours earlier, a number of hours late, and it causes all sorts of problems because you you cannot turn it to like a normal person's sleeping time. So you're just, that's just like a, a problem you'll never get rid of. And then other things like insomnia caused by anxiety, um, depression feeding into sleeping problems, feeding into anxiety, right. and back and forth, um, which is a real problem, especially because at MIT there's like a real history of depression, which can affect your sleeping, which affects the depression. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually the uh, thing I see time and time again is that it's hard to diagnose a sleeping disorder uh, because you end up looking at their lifestyle and you co- and you see things that co-present with each other and it's hard to isolate what actually is the problem. Indeed. Um like pl- pretty much every major mental illness I can think of probably corresponds with some sort of sleep disturbance just because of mood difficulties or say with ADHD, executive functioning difficulties, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they make each other worse and you can never really, uh, it's really hard to untangle them. Right. Um, So try to get lots of sleep is what I'm saying. here. Yeah. And don't think that, well, and for in certain cases, I, I know this because, Psycholo- the psychology classes and other classes I took at MIT, sleeping pills 
work sort of. Well, when you say sleeping really. pills, what do you mean? Do you mean like melatonin or things like Ambien? Like things like, like Ambien. Oh goodness. Yeah, like like the, the melatonin. Um, that people people have varying thoughts on it of whether it actually does help you go to sleep or not. I think it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Generally, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but things like Ambien um, actually change your brain chemistry and cause or help you to stay asleep. But a lot of times that's not actually good sleep that people get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't help you fall asleep either. So right. uh, up to a certain point. Well, yeah. So you take point. it and you fall asleep and maybe you sleep like eight hours. But another problem that people have with sleeping pills is that you do sleep very deeply, so deeply that an alarm clock tends not to wake you up. Right. So sleeping pills have many more downsides than they do upsides, and it's better to just use natural methods than to rely on things like that that you probably are also not obtaining legally. Please don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, please don't do that. Very bad. Don't do illegal things. Uh, Natural methods, which are perfectly legal, include exercise, um, just doing something to oh wind down. Oh my god, we sound like <laughs> yeah, we sound like some sort of like help channel. It's like don't get illegal drugs, kids. Instead, you should exercise. I mean, <laughs> that's no joke though. Uh, yeah. Exercise is extremely, extremely helpful. Although, granted, it's very hard to fit into a day. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of effort, but even a little bit can go a long way. So, like a thirty-minute run every day or just like going up and down stairs for 10 minutes is much better than doing nothing so if you have to do something do that yeah that's yeah that's very true and i know that there's also a thing where people with insomnia it's like you know use your bed for sleeping don't use it don't use it as much for other things so if your time first new sits on your bed and does all your work maybe you want to find another place to work yeah it's probably fine to have sex on your bed though that's probably okay yeah yeah, I, I, would, okay. I, I would I would hope so. I mean, it's kind of uncomfortable other places. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> please, please don't uh, take what we're saying here as some sort of excuse to go out in public places. And I mean, oh, if you, okay. whatever, okay. Now, let's now, move we're, on. We're going to keep on going down yes, this if we on. If we don't let's keep on going. On. Yeah. Okay. So how do people sleep here? Poorly. The answer is poorly, by the way. Uh, There are specifics, but the answer is generally, like, not very well. Mm -hmm. Um, So speaking of that survey that we were talking about, um, the response rate was, what, like a third of all people? Yeah, about 30%. And um, as I mentioned last episode, I I was part of the tech when we were doing this, and... Yeah, we got about a 30% response rate um, because it's about 3,200 students out of the entire student population, which is about 10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so fairly good sample um, in terms of what we thought we were going to get. Uh, but it's important to remember that, as with a lot of other surveys that you might see, this, these results aren't particularly a random sample. These are people who decided to read their emails and are conscientious enough to have responded and hopefully truthfully. I know. Hopefully. Well, I, I do know that when they were doing the data analysis, if you did answer something that was completely ridiculous, they would throw it out. I see. Yeah, like, so. I go to sleep at 2 p.m. every day. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, but... There's, there's, how often does that happen anyway? This is an aside, but I am curious. How often does that happen? Yeah, how often does it happen that people like make these completely ridiculous answers in surveys? They're obviously screwing with you, like that kind of thing. I don't think it happened. I, I remember that being something we were concerned about, and I don't think we saw it that often, but it did happen a non-zero number of times. I see, I see. Yeah. Anyway, 
go on. Yeah, so... <coughs> sorry. So, so, the survey is not perfect. Some of the questions are a little vague, but it was our it was our first foray into doing something big like this. Um, it got a lot of... It got a lot of press. A newspaper thing got a lot of press. That's a weird <laughs> phrase. Um, but um, got a lot of attention um, from other people at MIT. We did this in the winter of 2012 and the EIC. Damn, EIC. 2012 was three years ago at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, the EIC at the time was the person who um, came, who really championed the idea, came up with it, and she did a really good job putting it together. I see. Yeah, so it, it was definitely... A team effort that we did the best we could with it but most certainly not perfect and we are not data scientists so some of the graphs that are in there are a little wonky but it is online the yes. results are online anybody can access them they're not super easy to read but they're there yeah so. yeah and that that's what i was just about to say that they're not the easiest things ever but it's all you can see you can see the infographics that we made out of it and Indeed. one of the graphs that we took a look at was when do people sleep? And that one has most people going to bed between 1 and 3 a.m. And that doesn't really change when you shift. You can, you can parse the data by, by, um, by year. Year, um, major, even dorms. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. And I think, I think this particular graph, I think I have it. Uh, you can look at graduates and undergraduates yeah. and... Ooh, graduates go to sleep way earlier than undergraduates do. Yes. Those guys have the life. Um, I think it's just because they're a little older and they don't do as much stupid crap as undergraduates do. Probably not as much partying and stuff. Yeah, well, graduate students also includes people who like are, PhD, are older PhDs or people at professional programs as MIT right. has those. Um, a little more 9 to 5 students. than yeah. undergraduate education is. They have families. They have kids. So, yeah. yeah. They we'll talk about grad students kids. later. It's a very interesting thing, grad students and grad school. Yeah, that deserves its whole own episode. Indeed. So, when do so people sleep about 1 to 3 a.m.? Yeah. This is extremely late compared to the average time that people go to sleep. Yeah. So we did find, found some more data online. Their Jawbone, so the company that has fitness trackers, um, they collect a lot of data Fitbits. on people's Ooh. sleep. These these are not Fitbits, but they're they're like, basically they're Fitbits. like Fitbits. They're basically yeah. If you if you need a point of reference, um, so all they took samples of, of data from all these people across the U.S. that own Jawbones, and they plotted out the average bedtime of people by county in the U.S. So fairly high resolution and the latest that people fall asleep that they found was in brooklyn at 1207 a.m that's the average time average that time. people fall asleep so yeah. indeed new york is the city that never sleeps but 1207 um, i mean i think 1207 is pretty early i mean 1207 is an average remember yeah so people are you know scattered a few hours around that in general so right. you'll probably like see the last light start to go off at 4 a.m which is when some people are going to start to wake up. So, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is kind of true, you know what what they say about New York. Then, in right. that sense, and MIT goes to bed later than that. Yeah. So, that's a little concerning because in the real world, as it were, people go to work a few hours after that. They people are going to wake up for work at like six a.m. Oh yeah. If yeah. you if you work say like eight or nine is when you're supposed to be at work, especially if you're driving somewhere. Mm -hmm. Ooh, not something you think about if you come from the north. 
<laughs> or living here, but it but it is something to con- to consider because you you go move out somewhere and you're like in the middle of Midwest. Who cares? And you have a two hour commute to work. This is a thing that happens in America. I mean, I know people who work in my lab now that have a two hour commute to work because they live out and they live out in the suburbs of Boston because they have families and they have places that have actual houses like it's hard to get a big place around here indeed town and you might remember the statistic about car crashes we just brought up now think about the fact (laughs) that you would be driving every single morning to work sleep deprived in rush hour in rush hour so yeah it's really really i mean 1207 is too late probably also but 1 to 3 a.m is not a good habit to have and i think stan you brought this up earlier right yeah. I was giving you a bit of crap for this. Um, yeah. And and you should, righteously, because <laughs> it's a hard habit to break. Um, I mean, granted, I'm only... I mean, I'm no better, granted. Yeah. I, well, you're still in undergrad. I'm not in undergrad anymore. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that's really a good excuse, right? Because this is exactly what we're talking about. These these bad habits, right, stick around. Mm. Um, they don't just disappear once you stop being an undergraduate and you get a real job. Um, well, for... People are a spectrum, right? It could happen for you. But <laughs> the point is that like, it's not guaranteed, and the bad habits that lead to having a poor sleep schedule don't go away, even if you're able to readjust pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's important to try to get some more sleep, right? Yeah. And, this isn't, and you might think, well, you know, classes start kind of late at MIT, Right. The earliest undergrad class is 9 a.m. So you can take classes that start at 830 if you take classes that are technically graduate classes in manage in the management um, department. But, yeah, the earliest class that I've ever had scheduled was 9 a.m. Right. So you could think like, oh, well, you know, I'll just go to sleep at one and then I'll wake up at like nine or something. And that's eight hours of sleep. Well, first of all this doesn't really dovetail with the amount of sleep that people say that they get, right? Um, in the survey, it was about six hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's important, again, to remember that these are, like, conscientious people who are probably getting sleep right. who did this survey. Um, so it's probably a little lower than that. It was it was actually a little higher than six, right, the, yeah. the quoted number. So mm-hmm. let's say it's actually six, right? Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. postulate. So... One question is, why the hell does everybody go to sleep from 1 to 3 a.m.? There, doesn't, there isn't really a reason for this. Why do we do that, right? Well, I can tell you why I do that. <laughs> is it work? Partially it's work, and, <clears throat> well, I think that this, this does change based on where you're living. When I was a freshman, I went to bed earlier on average. I generally went to bed probably around midnight, 1 a.m. When I moved to the frat, I went to bed probably closer to two or three and yeah. some of some of that is fear of missing out people yes, are a, people are actively indeed. awake at around midnight and you want to be social you want to have your door open and be awake when stuff is happening because the worst thing ever is for you to wake up in the morning and be sitting at lunch and having people tell you about this awesome thing that happened outside your door last night <laughs> <laughs> i mean like the thing is that um also it can be very difficult uh, to socialize with people during the day because everybody is quite busy. So at night, people are sort of milling around and doing a whole bunch of nothing, generally, or trying to work and failing horribly because they're really tired. And distracted. Yes. So that's a good time where people will do like their like, socializing with others, which is also a poor idea, but that's 
how it is in a lot of places. Right. Um, now, to be fair, as far as I'm aware, our uh, our fraternity actually sleeps really late <laughs> compared yeah, to we the do. average living place. So, we do. Uh, dorms probably going to have like a lot more early risers than we do. Yeah. Um, but even so, that the average one to three is quite late. Yeah, it is. So. Which I keep restating, but it's just really late. <laughs> I'm kind of amazed that it is so late. Um, because the usual circadian rhythm doesn't run that late at all. Oh, of course um, not. I mean, so when you get older, it, it skews earlier. Um, mm. Much, much earlier, as it turns out. Um, and you need slightly less sleep as you start entering the twilight years. But at this point in time, um, I think that or probably you could expect to normally fall, be able to fall asleep easily around 10, 11, 12. Something mm. like that. People our age, around 20 or so, give or take a few years. Yeah. Um, so given that people fall asleep hours after that, right, um, you're going to run into some problems. Even if you get the normal amount of sleep, if your circadian rhythm is off, you run into some problems with, like, your immune system and a few other things. So you get sick a little more often. Mm-hmm. You have some depression issues, even if you're getting the normal amount of sleep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw this a lot from some of my friends that would – feel just you could tell that when they were when they were off hours that they felt a little more rattled things would bug them easier and it's not it's not a good cocktail for being super productive right it's 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 very true it's very true Mm -hmm. um i tend to ping pong a lot and when i'm on when i'm on the right schedule um things come a lot easier and i get aggravated a lot less often but i'm much more irritable and generally like have a lot of trouble with focusing and getting discouraged, right, when I have trouble with a P-set or something like that. Uh, when I am not sleeping on the right schedule, even if I'm getting eight hours of sleep a day or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while for that to go away, even when I start to acclimate back to normal sleeping schedule. Mm-hmm. So this sounds like impossible, though, right? Because having lived at MIT, I can tell you that like it's a very daunting task to try to go to sleep at the same time every day, and let alone making that same time be relatively early. Yeah. So, a few strategies, right, would be would be would be pretty helpful. So, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, right, like sleep is generally cued by daylight. Oh yeah. It's very important. Yeah, like I found I find that now. I have a room that has a lot of windows in it, and that actually helps me stay on a more regular schedule in the morning because I get woken up by the sun. And this helps you a lot. I know that people don't necessarily have options with the room. Sometimes you might get stuck with a room that is dark, uh, but you can get you can get things like timers and things and lamps that actually simulate sunlight. So you can have that type of thing um, that times on for you that turns that gives you the light that your body needs to see right right Mm -hmm. and another thing is that you should go outside every day oh yeah yeah i this okay so some people listening to this this might sound completely stupid (laughs) why would you recommend going outside every day i already do that who doesn't go outside every day i can tell you that not everybody goes outside every day i think that the it's the amount of people that go not the the amount of people that don't go outside here is probably less than the average amount like, so, I mean, it is college, so people will go outside a little more often to go to classes and things like that. But this is important even when you don't have class. So on the weekends, yeah. uh, during breaks and things like that, it's very easy to just never go outside, especially when you have a whole bunch of work to do also mm-hmm. during something. So you just stay inside and do all the work. You know, maybe you already bought some food, so you cook that. 
or you eat leftovers or you more likely order a bunch of pizza or something completely unhealthy mm. and just don't go outside. And this is it's important. So it, it is actually not bad to go outside during the night also for this effect, but it's much more muted than if you go outside during the day. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, there are people who are nocturnal. More or less. Yes. I just went through a phase of this myself. Do yeah. not recommend to anybody. It's it's a terrible idea. Don't do it. Yeah. I I couldn't say it better than that. Um Ultimately, I think that unfortunately a lot of these things are sort of like very diver- very diffuse in the MIT culture. Mm. Um the way classes are structured, how much work you generally have to do, um the general social life of the average like 20 something year old is going to be kind of antithetical to getting regular sleep every day so you probably shouldn't expect to be perfect unless you are willing to give up some things about your lifestyle but i would say that part of it does come around again we mentioned this a little bit last podcast and we'll probably mention that more is that this also depends on your social structure and the people you hang around if you Mm -hmm. hang around a bunch of people who are the people who sleep all day and may or may not go to class because they stayed up all night and thus slept all day, um, you might end up doing that yourself. And this is not super optimal for your health. It's not great. Yeah. And it's one of those things that maybe you don't really notice so much when you're younger, but it really comes back to bite you when you get a little older. Such as not being able to get back on a normal person's schedule. Indeed. Which is a little bit of the problem that I'm having right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's sort of important to remember that, like, uh, we, we mentioned sleep debt earlier, but this is really important, is that you miss some hours of sleep, and that adds up over time. Um, and it turns out that, like, and I'm going to speak in very vague terms because, honestly, we don't know that much about that stuff. We did some research, but even then, sleep you, you can never do enough this research. This is true. Yeah. So... Generally, uh, sleep debt persists for about two or three weeks, right? Which doesn't sound that bad, except when you're constantly racking it up. Mm. So you're just going to have this enormous debt, like, sort of, like, hanging on you as a ball and chain. So this also means that if you fix your sleeping, you're probably still going to be sleeping extra hours every day for a long time. Um, Something I recently found out uh, over the last couple of breaks is that actually uh, I adapt very easily to a very early sleeping schedule where I go to bed at, like, 8 (laughs) p.m., Um, this is actually probably the most natural sleeping schedule for me. Um, and when I started doing this, I would go to bed at 8 p.m. and wake up at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I did this for like a week. And then it ratcheted down until I actually got less than about six and a half hours of sleep every day. Mm-hmm. And no more than that. And I felt fine. Um, but it took a long time to get back to normal. Oh, yeah. So that's another thing that if you, if you want to fix your sleeping, you have to be aware of this, that you should probably plan to sleep a little over. Mm-hmm. Um, the average time. Yeah. If you are going to try to make up sleep chronically. Um, and you should also expect to be probably kind of tired for a while because it is a bit of work to shift your sleep schedule this way or that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes some time for your body to get used to it. But when you're on vacation, that's okay because you don't have a whole lot else to do because you're on vacation. But this is not something that's a trivial task if you're suddenly find yourself in the middle of the semester and you're like, oh my god, I am sleeping. I, I, am, I have not seen sunlight in a week. I need to fix this. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you 
and then it's just hard. It's stressful, and we know we've been there. Right. Yeah. They so, mm-hmm. question here is, um, you might be thinking, well, this is all great and good, but it it just it still just seems impossible, right? Like, there's one very popular saying about college, where you have this sort of triangle, right? It's it's a pretty popular picture. I'm pretty sure you could Google it fairly easily. Sort of a triangle with work, social life, and sleep, and you choose two. Yes. And this is a pretty popular idea, the idea that you have to give up one of them to sort of have the other two, right? And we even we even sort of intimated this a little bit in our previ- in our discussion just a couple minutes ago, right? The idea that, like, you'd have to make giant changes in your lifestyle if you go to MIT or really pretty much any college um, that gives you, like, any college, really. Um, and the question is, well, at least at MIT, like, how does that, how does that actually bear out? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how much time do people spend on other stuff when they when they choose one over the others? Right. And there actually was a survey question about this. It wasn't a very great survey question, yeah, mind you. The graph on this survey question is a little wonky, but I have it. I have it right here. So, it, it, indeed, if you could in this graph, you could go look at it um, yourself. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, but essentially, what you do is you can drag each bar up and down and see if these people the percentage of these people who say that they got this much sleep how much do they spend working and how much do they spend playing um these numbers don't add up to 100 percent uh which is problematic <laughs> amazing amazing um yeah so we wish they did um but but you can still look at the raw numbers and you can see that of the what if we set it to getting about six hours of sleep so that would be spending 30 percent of your day like 25 percent every day actually right 25 sleeping. yeah so the the range that we haven't set to right now is between 25 and 30 percent of your day sleeping then there are a thousand and four students who who respond who responded that they do this and out of three thousand mind you out, out of, out of three thousand so about a third of the people said that they sleep for six hours and then um around this okay 20 uh, an average of 24 percent of the of those a thousand students well let's not get caught up in in the yeah. numbers here because okay. this is this is you know a little like number crunchy but the point okay, is that um if you are to look at this graph yeah and you sort of take the graph and you drag it around you'll find that the median area is actually in this 25 to 30 percent area yeah, very true. strongly yeah. and in fact it it dies very quickly if you go up rather than down. Mm-hmm. So there's more people who get fewer than that much sleep yes. than there are people who get more than that much sleep, which mm-hmm. means, which is another indicator, again, that people at MIT are chronically sleep-deprived. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, not surprising, this graph also would tell you that they spend more time working than they do socializing. Not sure how much of that is actually true. I, I, I got to tell you, it's probably true. It probably is. I'm going to tell you, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, see, the thing, the ultimately, though, um, to sort of, like, be really honest, I, I can't say that I'm very sure, right, that I could ever manage to have a normal person sleeping schedule, as it were, uh, while I'm here at MIT. I'm not even really sure if such a thing is possible, uh, bar certain, you know, super people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I, I think that you shouldn't feel too bad if you're a little behind on sleep. But the the point of all this is that sleep is important. Yes. There's a lot of negative externalities to not getting sleep. Oh, yes. <laughs> Please try to get sleep. Yeah. 
even if you are like, oh, I can function on four hours a day for a week and I will be okay and it won't be that terrible, you probably will do worse work than if you just spent the extra hours sleeping. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, when I was an undergrad, I had to tell myself sometime during my junior year that going to sleep when you feel tired is a thing you should do instead of trying to push through the PSAT at 3 a.m. and not doing anything between 3 and 5 a.m. because you were too tired to actually think about it and you just lost those two hours that you could have spent more productively sleeping, gotten up early or at least on time and done the rest of it. Right, and and this is one of those things where it's very easy to say, oh, well, I feel fine. If I, you know, don't get to sleep, I feel okay. And in a sense, that might be true because that becomes your new normal, but the science is against you on this. Yes, very very true and um i will just tell you from like my personal experience that yes it's much better to get more sleep (laughs) as somebody who has spent a lot of my life really i've pretty much always been somebody who sleeps very late and then wakes up kind of early because of reasons and so i've been sleep deprived for a lot of my life (laughs) and very recently i got the chance to sort of normalize that and learn how to do that and it's way awesome it's so much better than like getting five hours of sleep a day Mm. i can still do five hours of sleep a day but i i have much less of a reason to want to do that yeah yeah i think i think a lot of it comes down to prioritizing sleep for yourself and really wanting to wanting wanting to make that extra time to make your lifestyle a little healthier i know that some people especially younger people they're like i'm invincible i can do whatever i want whatever i want and yeah that's all well and good except you might start feeling like crap and sooner than you think you will yes yeah and for one last time i'm gonna plug exercise because exercise is great like what i was saying earlier about a little bit going a long way is completely true Mm -hmm. Um, This is another reason why you should go outside (laughs) every day, take a walk, 20, 30 minutes. Even that has health benefits that are, like, pretty substantial, actually. Um, If you want to get adventurous, try, you know, weight training or take a PE class that, like, really gets you moving instead of something, you know, like diet and health or something like that. One of those. Um, I cannot overstate how important getting regular exercise is. Um, not just for for sleeping schedule and mental health, but for a whole host of other things. Um, So we're going to discuss a lot of things probably over the course of however long we end up doing this. And I'm going to say that exercise is usually a positive option (laughs) to help you with whatever it is. Oh, I I completely agree with this. Okay, got problems with your major? Exercise, it'll help you. <laughs> got problem? Got problems in your life? Exercise. The be- the best Christmas gift I gave myself last Christmas was a gift of abs because I started working out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I see. Give Seriously. yourself the gift of abs this Christmas. I think that that I think that's a good closing message. Yes, that's pretty good. Get some sleep and give yourself the. Gift All right, of yeah, you can you can hit us up. You have questions, ideas, uh, comments at six fifths at mit.edu, and that's it for now. We'll see you next week. Woo.